Most of us in healthcare are warm, caring people who are committed to keeping our patients safe and doing no harm. But there are some among us who do the unthinkable and betray our noble profession. On this podcast, we like to shine a light on the good and the bad. Each week, I'll be joined by another healthcare professional, and together we'll dive into these stories while chatting about nursing and healthcare along the way. I'm Tina, a registered nurse, and this is Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. Welcome back to another week of true crime, healthcare. You know, we just talk about a little bit of everything on this podcast. We do definitely like to incorporate the nursing and the healthcare aspect on this podcast. And so it's always me. I'm a nurse and I have generally another nurse with me. And today I have one of my favorite nurses ever and one of my favorite people really, David from Nurse Papa. Nurse Papa, how are you doing today? Oh, Tina, it's good to see you. It's good to hear you. I'm good. It's been a long time since you've been on the show. He's a longtime friend of the show, longtime friend of, of mine. I feel like we're friends. We're friends. Really excited to have you back on the show to get to, to discuss some of these crazy stories. You know how- Yeah, I missed you. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I missed you too. We're going to, we've talked about that before we started recording. We're going to try to do this a little bit more often now. Tina, I wanted to to warm up your listeners for this pretty amazing story, I wanted to uh, tell my own true crime story Ooh. real quickly. Okay, go ahead. Let's hear it. Well, it's all about parenting because, gosh, man, the biggest crimes happen to parents, right? It's a real mess. So a few nights ago, I was sitting on the couch and my son, who is six years old, walked up to me and he said, Papa, close your eyes. And I said, Deus, I'm not, I'm not closing my eyes. And he starts doing his pee-pee dance and giggling and saying, Papa, close your eyes. Really, please, close your eyes. I said, Deus, I'm not closing my eyes. And he said, please, Papa, please, close your eyes. Just close your eyes for a second. And I said, okay, I'll close my eyes. So I close my eyes, and he walks up and punches me in the balls. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, it reminded me so much of what you talk about in your show, these crimes that happened for no reason. <laughs> no reason whatsoever. Just no reason. I asked him, why did you th- why did you do that? Why did you think that was a good idea? And he had no idea. He's like I because I could. I could. <laughs> it wasn't a crime of passion. I no. don't think he feels passionate. No, about it was premeditated. Punching people in the balls. It was premeditated. Was he thought it would be a good idea. <laughs> premeditated. Dang. I mean anyway. just cold blooded. Yeah, it's fortunate that he only weighs 40 pounds, so he really couldn't get <laughs> too much weight behind it. But uh, it was, you know, it hurt me emotionally. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I felt good because I didn't scream at him. Oh, I so you, you're really proud of how you handled that then? I mean, I'm used to that. I think because screaming and getting mad doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. So I just looked him at the, uh, in the eyes and I said, Deus, why did you do that? <laughs> I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> I felt like an anthropologist. Like, I want to understand. <laughs> Push your glasses up and like start writing, taking notes. Exactly. So what were you I, thinking I at that very moment? He wasn't thinking. <laughs> <laughs> really, I want to prevent him from punching other people in the balls because I think that's that's when it's going to be problematic. <laughs> You're like, okay, 
Is this, t- are you telling me this is something you think is normal that you're going to do on a regular basis or is this kind of a one-off thing? <laughs> yeah. I think he understands that it's not a good idea. Oh, well, David, you are an amazing father. And I know this because of your podcast that you have, Nurse Papa, and all of the mm-hmm. stories that you use to kind of help, I don't know, just talk about fatherhood and the things that you've learned, not only as being a father, but also being a nurse a pediatric oncology nurse and the That's experiences true. that you have. So I'm sure you handled that exactly the way it should have been handled. We'll see. Time will tell. <laughs> You'll see. Yeah. Yes, My have- podcast is is now defunct. Nurse Papa, it's out there. You can listen to the episodes, but uh, um, I'm not making any more episodes. It's, I'm trying to live the life and not talk about it too much. It's just in the space. <laughs> it's out there in space. It's, it's in the space, yeah. Go listen to it. It's worth listening to. I will say that. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Are you thinking about going back to school to get a master's degree, maybe a family nurse practitioner degree? Well, it's so important to choose the right program. Samuel Merritt University's MSN FNP program has a 100% employment rate after six months. Unbelievable. And Samuel Merritt University has been kind enough to continue to sponsor our podcast, and they want us to let you know they're continuing to offer a $10,000 scholarship to anyone enrolled in their MSN, DNP, or family nurse practitioner programs. If you're interested in getting more information about these programs, you can visit them at smumsn.com. That's smumsn.com. And of course, we'll put that link on our website if you want to just go to goodnursebadnurse.com. I also wanted to remind you that if you're interested in travel nursing, to go to trustedhealth.com forward slash goodnurse and fill out a profile so you can see what kind of jobs are out there. And you can also see what they pay, the stipend, the hourly rate, all of that. I'm a travel nurse now with Trusted Health, and I absolutely love working for them. So go to trustedhealth.com, be sure and put forward slash good nurse so that they'll know that we sent you there and fill out a profile today. So I guess we can get started with this bad nurse story. This is actually a nurse tech or a CNA. And I will tell you that when we get to the good nurse portion of this, I'm really excited because I love CNAs, nurse techs, whatever you call them in different, different areas, different hospitals call this position different things. But when it comes right down to it, they're very valuable member of the healthcare team. And they are definitely underappreciated, underpaid. And I, I truly believe that if we valued them more, paid them a living wage that they can actually maybe actually be able to provide for their family that we might be able to actually keep people in this position, but it's not easy because it's a difficult job. And if you're not paying people, there's just really no reason for people to stay in this position. So I appreciate people so much who are in this position and who, and I'm just thinking of particular people right now that I know who just, who've been there in this position for years and years and years and this is their career. It's what they want to do. This is this is what they want to do. And I appreciate them so much. And it makes me so mad when I think how under underappreciated they are and how underpaid they are. What do you think prevents these people from pursuing a, a nursing career? Just like when, when people say, you know, why do you want to be a nurse? Why wouldn't you want to be a doctor? I think that there are certain jobs, it's like, this is what I want to do. This is the job that I want to do. This is what I was, what, you know, maybe some people say called to do. And there isn't, born to do. there's nothing wrong with that. They say, you know, as a nurse, you do a lot, lots of, lot, a lot of documentation. You do, you know, you don't have the hands on with, with the patient. They feel like they know their patients. You know, they're literally cleaning them up. They're literally changing their, their bed sheets and 
you know, turning them and, and just they know them so intimately. Yeah. Which, as an ICU nurse, I can say I did that as well. I know, me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not like we don't do that as nurses. I, th- I think I feel like if you are a good nurse, you do that. But I know that there's also situations in which nurses just can't do that. They don't. Yeah. Have so many patients. Yeah, I mean, it's literally impossible. Yeah, ten people on vents. Like you just you need help. You have you you just have to have the help. So I just feel like we should be celebrating them more and should be talking about what they do. They, they just, it, they, the position that they hold, I don't know about, I guess I can't speak for, for everyone, but the, the people that I have been privileged to work with, the position that they hold is not, it's not just about wiping butts and taking people to the bathroom and changing sheets. That is a big part of it. But there's sure. also a very much a skilled part of this job that is a knowledge there's a knowledge base there that as they become experienced in their position they get to know these patients they they start learning things just like we learn things that 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 providers know we kind of learn as nurses we start learning the way doctors think of things and nurse practitioners think think what they look for so that we know what to then go to them and go hey this is happening they do the same thing. They will see skin breakdown and come to us and go, hey, I'm just, just letting mm-hmm. you know. I'm kind of concerned about the way their bottom is looking. You come and you go, oh my gosh, that's literally, yeah, I've got a stage two pressure ulcer. That's, thank you for letting me know this. That's what we're missing right now. That's what we're missing out on by not appreciating the people in this role. Yeah. Also, I think, and this goes for nurses as well. I mean, you're doing these things like keeping somebody clean and, mm-hmm. you know, taking care of them in very intimate ways. And if you're able to do that with grace and allow people who are being taken care of to feel that they're not helpless and they're, you know, they actually have some importance. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, I feel like that's 80% of the job of just like doing it in a way that is... Maintains their dignity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that goes for kids and adults. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So many times I've taken care of people in the hospital who will just look at me with this horrified look on their face because they're having to be cleaned up just they lose control, you know, of their faculties and their, their, you know, their bodies, their body functions. And it's just horrifying to them. It's so humiliating. And to me, that was, it's one of the most rewarding times for me because I can empathize with them and just be, uh, and just show them all the compassion in the world and try to just say things to just put them at ease and let them know, like, you know, any one of us could be in this position and mm-hmm. I would hope that somebody would take, you know, good care of me and not, you know, don't worry about that. This is my job. I was, I literally paid to go to school to learn how to do this. To do this. this is my job. I want to do this. I wouldn't totally. be here if I didn't want to do this. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. I've had some of the best conversations while wiping somebody's butt yeah. or just like, cause you get really close to somebody physically, you're physically close to somebody. Mm-hmm. It's such an intimate way to be and you can kind of turn off your humanity at that point and just kind of do your job or you can really engage i remember i had this patient who was like a full care patient and i i took care of him all the time he was a he was a boy so like he needed a boy nurse and he had a brain tumor um so he had all this crazy stuff a neurogenic bladder he couldn't pee by himself and i remember i had to cath him like every hour and a half so that means i was sitting at his bedside for, I don't know, what, 15, 20 minutes, watching that slow drip into the urinal, you know, trying to get it out. And we would just talk about these amazing things and all the things that, 
he, you know, had going on in his head. He was a 12-year-old boy who was, you know, going to be dead in a year. And, you know, I learned so much about him. And I learned so much about myself just taking care of him and becoming very intimate with his kind of inner world. And I think when you are a nurse or when you're a tech and you allow yourself to get close to somebody like that, it's just really gratifying. And it's just why you'd want to have that kind of job, that kind of position on this planet. Absolutely. It's, you know, whatever your job is, if you bring your full attention and your full humanity to it, it just makes life so much better. It's not about money. It's not about anything else because we're all going to die. And some at some point, somebody's going to be wiping my ass. I mean, hopefully not tomorrow. But it just, it's good to remember that we're all people. Yes. We're, we're all vulnerable at any time we could need help. And to show that compassion to people. And so that's why I definitely appreciate that. So I can't wait to get to that good, good nurse tech story to be able to tell you what this amazing person did and how I'm not surprised, but at the same time, I want to be able to celebrate this person. Now, of course, we have to start with uh, this first story is not the bad nurse. Tech. It is not good. It is not good yeah. at all. She's a real peach. She is a real peach. So on the evening of September 9th in 2016, Robert Pointer, a veteran firefighter, and his wife, Chasey Pointer, who was a nurse's aide, had allegedly decided to meet at a local fast food restaurant in attempts to reconcile their failing marriage over tacos. I wonder if it was a Tuesday. I don't know. I hope it was. But I feel like this says a lot about them that they're having this serious discussion over tacos. Over tacos. Do you think that Robert called her and he said, can we taco about our feelings? I think... Probably not. Probably not. But I liked your pun. That was good. I liked it. It was pretty bad. It was really, it was bad. (laughs) (laughs) So any reconciliation efforts that were going to happen, though, were going to be stalled because she called 911 frantically and tells the police that she is on this you know, back road. And she, if you watch the video of this, because there's video of them like arriving and they, they see her, she's standing out there. Like the police cam on their chest. Yes. Like her uh-huh. eyes are humongous. And she looks like, I compl- like she looks crazed. I don't even know a better word. Like she is completely hysterical, completely hysterical. And so they respond uh, to this is very rural road. I mean, it's, this unmaintained road in the city. It's called Royce City in Texas. Mm-hmm. She was obviously, when they get there, she's physically distressed. She had blood on her hands, on her shoulder, her knees. Her breath is very shaky. I mean, she looks and sounds like she's almost having a panic attack. She's like breathing like these real short, like shallow breaths. She told police that her husband, Robert, was further down the road in her Jeep and that he was unresponsive. Why was he unresponsive? Well, we're going to find out. Police were met with an absolutely grisly scene. They found Robert in the driver's seat of the Jeep with a bullet wound to the right side of his temple. The shell lodged into his skull, and the Jeep was covered in blood. So police immediately sought to unravel the mystery of this murder scene, but they were left with seemingly more questions than answers. They turned to Chasey for answers. And as she sat in the back of the police cruiser, again, drawing these really short, rapid breaths, she wove a tale that investigators were just completely baffled by. 
And if you watch the video and hear her telling this story, you will be baffled as well. It's quite shocking and just really kind of unbelievable, I guess. Didn't really you were able to watch the footage of her mm-hmm. telling the story? Can, oh, man, mm-hmm. I watched that. I mean, you kind of watch it and you're just like, it's almost cringy a little bit. You're just like, really? Like, this doesn't even seem, this isn't making a whole lot of sense, is, is, was kind of my, my gut reaction when I first watched it. She claimed that on her way to meet her husband at Jack in the Box to have tacos, which I didn't even understand. I don't even know what Jack in the Box is, I guess, because... I guess I thought it's a fast food place, but, but I don't. Do they have tacos? I don't there? know. Apparently, they have tacos. Which so I was so confused when I saw Jack in the Box. I always assumed that that we don't have a Jack in the Box, but I for some reason thought it was hamburgers or something. I don't. It know. is. That's what they mainly do. But I bet they have a nice taco. Maybe they do have a taco. Yeah. So a taco to kill for. She said that um, she's supposed to be meeting her husband. She accidentally took a wrong turn down this rural roadway that was primarily used by farmers to access their cornfields. It had rained earlier that day, and the unpaved road became too treacherous for travel. She said that her Jeep had gotten stuck in the deep, muddy ruts of the road, and she called Robert for help. I can just tell you right now that my husband would have never bought this, because he drives a Jeep, and the last thing he is ever going to believe is that a Jeep got stuck anywhere. He would Because it's a four-wheel drive. Never believe it. He would just not, yeah. not buy it. He would just be like, wrong. Now, tell me what's really going on, because there's no way that Jeep mm-hmm. is stuck in the mud. Who did you kill? <laughs> what's going on? Anyway, so that was her story, and she was sticking to it. Well, Robert, and this is, I mean, really, this is sad, because Robert decides to go ahead and try to, to help her. He apparently was not able to actually get his the pickup truck that he was driving down this road well, she to get that. to where she was. Well, I mean, that's what she said, yeah, without it getting stuck. And so he opted to travel the remaining distance to his wife's Jeep on foot. So I guess he drove so far with his truck, got out, and then walked to the Jeep on foot. She said that she walked to where Robert left his vehicle, and they walked back together to chase his Jeep. She said that they chatted along the way, and she noticed that he was wearing the cologne he wore on their wedding day nearly seven years before. She remarked that he seldom wore had worn that cologne since their marriage was declining. Now, I will tell you that if you watch this video of her in the backseat of this, actually, I believe she was in an ambulance um, when she's uh-huh. saying all this, but she, she was covered in blood. She is saying all of this stuff on this police video to the police moments after all of this took place. She's talking about how her marriage was declining and saying all of the stuff. And you're just like, Chasey. Shut up. <laughs> you just want to go. You have the you have the remind to, the the right to remain silent. <laughs> she did not have a clue. So when Ro, Ro, I wonder if they told her. No. Did they? No. Did they read her These rights? are EMS people. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when Robert got into the driver's seat of the vehicle to move it, Chasey claimed that a tall figure engulfed in shadow emerged from the darkened tree line roadway and shot her husband. She told investigators that she was unable to clearly distinguish any discernible features of the assailant other than he was tall and wearing dark clothing. She did not see the firearm per her initial account of events. Police were skeptical of Chasey's story. 
Of course. For some reason. And as she continued to talk, she spoke less of the details of her husband's murder and shifted the focus to admitting that their marriage was failing. Roy City Police Sergeant Shane Meek noted that her earlier hyperventilation now seemed forced and believed it to be part of an elaborate performance to mislead their investigation. Investigators also noted early on that blood on Chasey's body appeared to be in a splatter formation and was not... What does that mean? Well, in other words, if it's in this splatter formation, it's like if a, if a gun was shot and it went it went through, pierced through the skin and then blood like splattered back, I guess. Then as opposed to it uh, getting smeared on you because you're like trying to help somebody and it just being all over you for that. It seems more like you were standing really, really close to the person when the impact happened, when the... Gotcha. Right? And you may have been holding onto the firearm. Mm, Or you're super close at any any rate. CBD Stat, they're amazing products. Love them. They support our podcast. Their CBD product is some of the absolute purest CBD out there. And some of my friends use it for headaches. I personally use it for foot pain. It helps with some people with their back pain. It's truly an amazing product. And they are so good to healthcare professionals. Such a good company. You know, I was able to use their product for the first time after you and I returned from Washington, D.C. for the Nurses March. They provided me with some samples. And I used it on a sore knee and then later on a sore wrist. And it helped so much. My daughter even uses it on her back for her scoliosis. And it really does help. That's amazing. And of course, their products are 100% THC free, which is great for travel nurses who have to take a drug test every three months. They only offer very strong CBD greater than 1000 milligrams. If you're interested, you can go to cbdstat.care forward slash good nurse, bad nurse. That's cbdstat.care forward slash good nurse, bad nurse. Be sure and put the forward slash good nurse, bad nurse in there so they'll know that we sent you there. So they didn't feel like that was really conducive to her story of cradling his head to her after the incident. So she's explaining Uh, why she has blood all over her, that she had cradled his head to her. And so that kind of made them question maybe what other information she could potentially be deceiving them about. Body cam footage documented her chattering on in the back of the squad car in which she revealed personal information about the couple's relationship. She said, I was young and stupid when we got married. I didn't want to be married anymore. Well, we were all young and stupid when we got married. But I mean, to sit there, your (laughs) husband has just been shot by Uh this mysterious stranger and you're telling the police that you didn't want to be married anymore. She seems like she wants to get caught. Yeah. Of all them tools in that shit, you are not the sharpest yeah. at it. Sure. <laughs> For sure. Robert had been previously married to his high school sweetheart, Amy Pointer. They were married for 20 years and had two daughters, Nicole and Natalie, that according to his close friends were number one on his list of priorities. However, in 2008, his marriage to Amy unraveled. He reportedly became distant and was frequently gone from the family's home. When his daughter, Nicole, discovered that her father had a second cell phone, it became apparent that her father was having an affair with a much younger woman. So he was a real peach, too. Well, I mean... um, I know. I mean, I would never justify someone's actions. and But I also don't like to judge people in this situation because people just do stupid things, you know? And I I feel like there, anything is forgivable and people can, you know, look back on their, their choices and regret, you know, mistake. Sure. It's yeah. clearly 
a horrible mistake that he made and he was done a lot of damage to relationships, his children. He's it's done something that's very hurtful. But at the same time, he didn't deserve what happened to him. Yeah. You know? There's a difference between passion and crimes of passion. Yeah. I mean, he, he did something that he wanted to do, but he didn't kill anybody. Exactly. It also, I feel like, doesn't take away from the good that they do. Because sometimes, you know, people can be really good people and do lots of really good things and be good parents and good workers or whatever, but make mistakes. It just, you know, you have a moment yeah. of weakness and you just do something really dumb. Like when you punch your dad in the balls. That's... Yeah, that's a good example. <laughs> On a small, a small, much smaller level. When his daughter, Nicole, discovered that her father had a second cell phone, it became apparent that her father was having an affair with a much younger woman, which was Chasey Tyler Mormon. Robert had been introduced to Chasey by a mutual friend, and reportedly she had pursued a relationship with him. He had allegedly mm-hmm. told her that he was separated from his wife, Amy, so a little, maybe a little bit of deception there. Chasey stated yeah. that her relationship with Robert began shortly after they had first met in December of 2007. And by May of 2009, they were expecting a child, a daughter together. They were married on December 12th in 2009. Chasey was 22 and Robert was 40. <sighs> wow. That's a big gap. Yeah. He could be your babysitter. Or that, or yeah, <laughs> lots of things. You can be lots of things when you're 40. (laughs) You are lots of things when you're 40. So when you're 22, you hadn't had a lot of time to be much of anything. But Mm -mm. yeah, Chasey quickly became a suspect in the murder of her husband. And in the early morning hours, she was taken downtown to the police station for interrogation. The interrogation lasted eight hours. And during that time, investigators learned more about the Pointer's relationship. Because as we know, Chasey just likes to go on and on about stuff. Mm-hmm. She's an open book. Mm-hmm. Three years into their marriage, Chasey stated that she and Robert grew apart and slept in different bedrooms. The firefighter captain also apparently had started treatment for low testosterone, and the treatments negatively altered his personality, according to Chasey. She stated that he became physically, mentally, and verbally abusive towards her, and on several occasions, she was grabbed by her hair and slung into walls. She never contacted police about the alleged abuse she suffered at her husband's hands. She claimed that she did not want to jeopardize his career as a firefighter captain. I mean, I actually did a little bit of research on this, mm-hmm. and this sounds like the probably the truest part of her story, because that can happen when you're getting testosterone treatments. It can really affect your mood hmm. and your emotions. Interesting. And I don't know if, if he actually abused her, but it seems like the most believable part of this, which, I mean, doesn't justify his death by whoever did it, but maybe there was some truth to this. And like you said, nothing is, you know, hundred percent, like people are good and people are bad and these stories are very mixed. So I'm, I'm interested in if that actually happened. Well, Robert's ex-wife, Amy, would later comment in an interview with the media that her husband was seeking treatment for his medical condition, but he was never violent. Mm-hmm. He was known to be a, quote, gentle giant, and violence was not in his nature. Amy and Robert's daughter, Natalie, was 16 years old and lived with Chasey and her father. She corroborated her mother's story that she witnessed no violence from her father during the time that she lived with the couple. Well, there you go. So it doesn't mean it didn't happen, but there are th- things that can go on. At, you know, that sometimes people... are good at keeping things from their children, you know, so. Sure. Yeah. People are complex. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you, I feel like his ex-wife would have known, 
and she's kind of in the position she didn't really have any reason to take up for him, you know? No, she he, she was not a fan, I imagine. Yeah. So Chasey stated that over the course of the two years um, and through rigorous diet and exercise, she had lost 104 pounds. Oh, wow. Where did that put her at? Like, was she... She was very fit. She was... Okay. Yeah. In the in the videos, if you look... And there, there are pictures. If you look online, you can see pictures of her kind of before and after photos. She... Uh-huh. Yeah, it's drastic. It is absolutely drastic, the difference uh, between the two. So Robert, according to Chasey, preferred her at a heavier weight. Okay. Now, Robert was kind of a bigger guy too. So maybe that was why. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. If she, if that's true, maybe he just, it made him more insecure if she was like all fit and he was kind of like you know, somewhat overweight, and it, he maybe preferred that the two of them match more in their physical <laughs> for the physique. I don't know. Especially with her being so much younger. I could see where that might sure. make him feel a little insecure. I could see that too. So she said that she attempted to salvage the marriage, but as her confidence grew, she sought attention outside of their marriage. She started having extramarital affairs and would sneak out of the house for hours during the night for romantic trysts while Robert was working at the fire station. She left her teenage stepdaughter, Natalie, to care for her four-year-old daughter and explained away her absence that uh, she was going, basically saying, I got to go to the gym. So I guess that was her excuse for leaving. (laughs) So Natalie noticed that her stepmother never seemed to be wearing suitable clothing for a gym workout. She's like, what was she wearing? Going to the gym, but you're wearing like an evening gown. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) High heels. (laughs) High heels. But maybe she kept her gym clothes in the locker at the gym. I don't know. It's possible. Totally. I like to go to the gym, dress, you know, dress to the nines. and Just, you know, full tux. Yeah, and then switch into my shorts when Just I get there. change in your shorts, and then you can like do a full change afterwards after you uh-huh. g- get into the shower and yeah. use all the amenities there at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a nice gym, gosh. Yeah, so Natalie noticed, like I said, that she never really seemed to be wearing the right clothes. She was able to confirm that her stepmother was being unfaithful to her father when Chasey failed to log out of her Facebook account. Oh my gosh, rookie mistake, Chasey. So... She didn't log out of her Facebook account. And so Natalie is logging right in there going, um, here's some explicit messages between Chasey and multiple men, not just one, multiple men. Who has the, I'm so, this is exhausting. I'm sorry, but. She's 22. She's got, okay, you know, fine. She's got energy. I guess. It's just, just, ugh. Who the heck? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? I don't know. I, maybe I've been doing this ep- this show too long. Like I, the idea of want to be talking to multiple men. No, and that's the last place you want to meet people. Like they are liter- There are so many predators out there. Why would you want to start having conversations with people on social media? Don't do it, girls. Don't do it. No, you can meet people at Jack in the Box. You Jack in the Box. Go have some tacos. (laughs) Have some tacos. There there is probably no safe place, honestly. I'm I'm terrible. I'm jaded. Like, don't even listen to me. Just don't even listen. But you shouldn't tell your listeners not to your listeners not to listen to you. Listen to me, and yet probably don't take dating advice from me because I will have you just like locked up in your house, not talking (laughs) to anyone. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) So Natalie reported the infidelity to her father, who immediately requested divorce papers. I mean, he's like, all right. 
no, we're not doing that. However, it was never submitted due to Robert having a change of heart. His closest friends admitted that Robert confided in them that he wanted to make the marriage work. He arranged to take Chasey and their daughter on a trip to Mexico in a last ditch effort uh, to save his marriage. But the couple had several disagreements during the trip. Robert, like where to get tacos? Like, I mean, there, yeah, because I mean, you're in Mexico. There's so many options. Lots of tacos. Robert suspected that his wife was texting a lover during the trip. That would make me mad too. Would be really mad. During the relentless interrogation, Chasey's story began to change. Police now had the identity of Robert's murderer, Michael Garza, one of Chasey's several romantic partners. She had told Michael of the alleged abuse she suffered at her husband's hand. And Michael was quick to come to her defense. It was Michael that Chasey had been texting during her family vacation to Mexico. Chasey stated that Michael had insisted that he tag along for the couple's planned outing that evening and rode with Chasey in her Jeep. She claimed that he was the one who told her to drive down the rural road and she was forced to fabricate the tale that her Jeep was stuck and call Robert. It deviated from the initial plan. She assured investigators that Michael was going to confront Robert at the fast food restaurant and tell him to back off. She proclaimed that she did not know that Michael had a shotgun in the Jeep and that Robert was never supposed to die. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I think we're getting a little bit closer to the truth, but not quite where it really truly lies. We're getting closer for sure. I mean, yeah. Investigators believed that Chasey carefully devised her plan to murder her husband and collect his life insurance policy that was worth $685,000. In April, she had convinced Robert to make her the sole beneficiary of the policy. Robert reportedly revisited the plans to divorce Chasey, sending a message to a divorce attorney the day before he was killed. Investigators uncovered text messages that Chasey had sent her lovers informing them that she wanted Robert gone, and investigators believe she was able to manipulate Michael into taking the bait. She does seem like the the mastermind behind all this, Mm -hmm. huh? Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know what, I say that all the time on this podcast, but like, if you have somebody who's trying to talk you into changing the beneficiary of your life insurance policy... You should start to think about their motives. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. 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 So Michael eventually turned himself into authorities and claimed that he didn't pull the trigger on the murder weapon himself, even though police discovered the weapon was registered to his brother, Matthew Garza. During his trial, he claimed that he had given Chasey his brother's shotgun for protection and attempted to establish an alibi that he was tending to a wounded cow on his family's farm on the night of the murder. The jury, however, didn't buy it. I love that alibi, though. I know. That's great. I mean, that, I mean it's yeah. it's great because it's got details. Mm-hmm. You feel sad for the wounded cow. Right. So, so like, immediately you're just like empathy. You're like, oh. Yeah. The cow. And then. Does, you want to believe he, it. You want to believe it. You want to believe it. Yeah. Does that mean he shot the cow because it was wounded? Oh, my gosh. He... See, now we just took a dark turn. And that, no, your mind works you... exactly the way mine works because that's exactly what I'd be thinking. Oh, yeah. I know what you were doing. I know what you were thinking. You were shooting a cow. Psychopath. But that's what he's trying to say, right? He had to put the the cow down. I just now realized, oh my goodness, people always want me to tell them before I say anything about like animal cruelty because it's such a trigger for some people. I'll I'll have to have Bridget put that in the trigger warning at the beginning. I 
I'm look, I'm an, I love animals. I'm I'm the same. Like I don't want to be I do not want to read any books or watch any movies that have any kind of animal. Mm-mm, no. But you're not a vegetarian. No, but I don't I don't I just believe in humanely treating. Like I don't want to hear about torture or like somebody deliberately inf- okay, inflicting like pain on somebody on on a, on a on an animal. But he was putting the cow out of pain here. So I think mm-hmm. even though in this fictitious, this, this whole situation, a, this, didn't even this doesn't exist at right. all. In in this world, the cow was not being abused. It was the best and was possible situation. Yeah, I mean, this mythical cow really has is the best person in this story. Yes, he really is of all the characters. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's a girl cow. It, it just is wounded. Case, it doesn't. It, maybe the cow made it. You know, maybe everything was fine. It just is wounded. So let's think the I best. Gotta, gotta hope let's so. Think the that best cow's out there somewhere. Possible outcome for the cow. But that was his story. The jury, however, didn't buy it and found him guilty. He was sentenced to 99 years in prison in July of 2018. Do you think, I don't understand why people do 99 years. Is there something about 100 years that seems too daunting? Wow. I wish or is I, it a legal thing? I wish I, I have knew no idea. the answer to that question. I don't know. I know there's, there are some things like that where it's like, so many days in plus one, you know, and that that means that you, yeah. you have to do at least you know this many this much time. Maybe that's it what must it be is. A legal thing. I bet it yeah. is. And then some people get life in prison, but that doesn't really mean life. Years, yeah, like they'll, mean life. they'll get life, and it's like twenty years, and then they get out life, in fifteen. <laughs> well, there's life with parole, mm-hmm. life without parole. Right. I don't know. It's different with every state. Yeah. I think. Yeah, that's true. That is true. So Chasey was found guilty of murdering her husband. The court sentenced her to life in prison in June of 2019. According to the Herald Banner, Chasey's appeal against her conviction was denied in 2021. Her attorney claimed that Chasey wasn't adequately informed of her right to an attorney when police, you you you, you were right on the mark on this, yeah. when police initially questioned her. However, the appeals court still upheld the conviction. Chasey will not be eligible for parole until she has served at least 30 years years in prison and she'll still be like 50 years old because she's only 22 yeah true what this says to me is that if you're going to murder somebody you should do it when you're young Mm. so you can still enjoy the rest of your life when you get out people is that not the take-home message we should be getting from this just don't murder people that was that's the take-home i think that's implicit that you shouldn't murder people (laughs) but if you are going to murder somebody you need to murder somebody do it when you're young. Like, get it out of the way. Young people, don't listen to David. Just don't <laughs> listen to him. Don't buy into this. You don't want to lose no. 20 years of your life in prison. Oh, there is the idea that you do it when you're older and you've already lived your life. You already lived your life, you know? I, and I think that there are people out there who do, cut, like, they reach a certain age that they're just like, if I want to kill somebody, I'm just going to do it because I don't even care about my yeah. life anymore. You know, I think and I want to like, go to prison and be, be taken care of. They don't even care. Th- three square meals a day, a nice comfy cell, maybe a library, maybe some like community college courses. Yeah, I just don't think it really works out that way in their favor. I think that no. prison ends up being a whole lot different than what they are envisioning. It's not like Shawshank Redemption when you get like a library and you have a bunch of like pals that talk around the table. And you dig a tunnel and end up in Mexico. <laughs> Z <laughs> That's where I want to go, Red. <laughs> oh, gosh. Robert's life insurance policy was ultimately split between his three daughters. 
Chasey's mother and stepfather share split custody of Robert and Chasey's daughter with Robert's parents. So. So it, it's happy ending. Happy ending for everybody. <laughs> no, it's not. Except it's terrible. Two. I mean, they don't have their father. The, and the cow. The cow as well. The cow, I, I feel like he probably is okay. The cow is probably fine. But, I don't know. you know, the thing is that... Robert made, you know, a, a bad decision at some point in his life. He decided to kind of derail everything and chased after, you know, the younger, the younger girl and kind of like allowed that to cloud his judgment because clearly mm-hmm. she is not the person that his ex-wife is who, who was raising his daughters and, and defended, defended him. him. And, and if you really watch her in, in interviews, she, I don't know, she, she comes across as somebody with integrity and uh, somebody who really would have been the better wife, you know, ultimately. There was some talk that Chasey was kind of jealous of the ex-wife, that maybe there was a possibility of some reconciliation there. So Mm. that's kind of sad to think of what maybe could have been if he could have like redeemed himself and, you know, came back, you know, for his daughter's sake and for for his, his marriage sake and come out of all of that. I don't know. It wasn't to be. He was an excellent firefighter, a very self-sacrificing person, and just a really great, great guy all around. He just made made complex. a mistake. Yeah, people are very complex. You should know that more than anybody. Yes, I guess from all these stories that you hear. Yeah, it is so true. But some people actually do the right thing most of the time. Yeah, I think almost all the time. <laughs> I don't know. I think sometimes people just—it's like they just get swept up. And maybe, I don't know, some people just are weaker, have weak moments. I don't know, just for whatever reason. But I feel bad for him. I I feel like he had so many people in his corner that were just like, this is not who he was, you know. So I keep, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, you know. So I have to tell you guys about an experience I had with a nursing student. So you know I've been doing travel nursing. Well, this hospital where I'm at has a lot of LPN students doing their clinicals there. So one of them was following me around one day and she noticed my stethoscope. And of course, y'all know the Echo Technology Company that sponsors our podcast. They teamed up with Littman to make the stethoscopes, to beat all stethoscopes, the 3M Littman Core Digital Stethoscope. And this is the one that I use now. So she said, oh my gosh, I've been wanting to try one of those. So of course I let her use it. And she just could not stop talking about it for the rest of the shift. It was so cute. She was like, you know I can't hear anything with my normal stethoscope because I have tinnitus. And so she was so excited because she could actually hear what heart sounds were supposed to sound like. She said, I'm going to ask for one of these for graduation. And I was like, yeah, you definitely should. So just so you know, the echo technology that makes this stethoscope so amazing. Uh, You can enable it with a flip of a switch. You can turn it on and off. It has active noise cancellation up to 40 times amplification wireless auscultation using Bluetooth technology. It connects with Echo's free app and software so that you can visualize, record, share, live stream, analyze heart sounds, lung sounds, and whatever body sounds you want to listen to. So you can go to echohealth.com and use the promo code GNBN to get $50 off your order. And that's Echo is spelled E-K-O, by the way. So it's echohealth.com and use the GNBN promo code to get $50 off your order. Did you know that you don't have to go all across the country to be a travel nurse? You certainly can, but you don't have to. I literally took an assignment that's an hour and a half away from my house, and I love it. 
I can stay in a hotel room if I want, or I can drive back home. So it's the best of both worlds for me. For my next assignment, we're going to get a cabin in the mountains that's about two hours from our house. So it'll really be like a little getaway. Also, one of my really good friends is going with me so we can share expenses. You guys, even if you're just a little curious about travel nursing, go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile so you can see what kind of jobs are out there and what they pay. Go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile. I guess we can get into this good nurse tech story. I love this story so much. This is from the Jacksonville.com from from Florida. So apparently one day in a Publix, there was a woman by the name of Terry Mosley. She and her daughter rounded the corner and saw a store employee on the floor. He was covered in blood. And he, yeah. yeah. And he wasn't breathing. His lips were blue. He was pale and clammy and all signs cardiac arrest but why the blood i don't know was there a wounded cow around (laughs) no so mosley terry mosley she's a a certified nursing assistant at baptist medical center south in jacksonville and she had her basic life support training and knew exactly what to do so she basically just pulled it together at that moment and just everything kind of kicked in and started kind of telling everybody, you know, in that way that you do when you're, when you go for that training and they're just like, you go get the AED, yeah. you do this. And she was doing, yeah. she kind of move the, move the wounded cow get off him. <laughs> she did all the things exactly the way she was supposed to. She said, I, it, did she do CPR? She did. She said it felt great because the classes just came in, came to me. She called 911, flipped him over. She said the class was everything. I'm so thankful of the great training I had to help save this young man. She checked the man's pulse, told another store employee to call 911 and bring her the AED, the automated external defibrillator, the easy-to-use portable electronic device found in most public buildings, analyzes the heart rhythm, and if necessary, delivers an electrical shock. She gave him 12 minutes of, of CPR. That's a long time I know, CPR. it really is. And three rounds of shock from the defibrillator before paramedics arrived. They intubated him using a tube to open his airway, placed him on a, quote, thumper, a device that delivers continuous chest compressions, and took him to the nearest hospital. Mosley later found out that the man spent three days in intensive care and is now recovering at home. Nice. Isn't that great? Yeah. I haven't heard about this thumper machine. That's pretty cool. Well, I've seen variations of of this device it's sort of like a flat board and it has these straps that come over you strap it on a minute just like it just automatically delivers uh-huh. these the supposed to be perfect chest compressions i've also the, not everybody is their body habitus allows for you know the thumper to mm-hmm, to be able do to do their job mm-hmm. and having you know well, worked I on bet a robert's robert's body would not have accommodated the thumper i Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I having worked on a cardiovascular intensive care unit, I have done some chest compressions on lots of different, all different kinds of people. And sometimes yeah. there are people that are just so large. And I don't mean necessarily obese, but just big people, like really big large bone, people. We like to say. And you... And I could remember just putting all of my weight on them trying to, to get, and then the person going, you need to do better compressions. And I'm like, I literally, I don't, I don't know what else to do. I don't have any more strength. Like, it's so hard. Well, get sometimes. another person who's, who weighs more than 50 pounds. Yeah, no, they literally, like everybody is doing, everybody. And then, of course, here comes the men, you know, like security team, and they, they come in there yeah. and they're able to do it. But no, it's it's not easy on some people to do those 
those chest compressions. You know what's crazy? I've been a nurse for 15 years and I've never performed CPR. Really? In real life. It's only been on a mannequin. Hmm. I mean, it just doesn't happen. At, in in, in it, your it, field, yeah. Where I'm at, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I've done it more than I can count. I don't know how many times. It's just... Too many times. I, I, when I first started, I knew. Like, I, I was like, I've done it one time and two times and three. And then at some point, it was just like, eh, I don't remember them all now. Because yeah. when you first do it, I remember that one. I will never forget that woman, ever. Or what it sounded like or felt like. it. The whole thing was just traumatizing. Was breaking. Yeah, it was really traumatizing. But to me, it's just like some people are in a state that it would not be really the best thing for you to really yeah. be doing compressions, but you have to. And that was that scenario. And I was so young. I was such a young, I wasn't young, a young person, but I was a young nurse. You were a young nurse. And I yeah. just did. I, young old nurse. It was a terrible, <laughs> just a terrible, terrible first CPR experience for me. I love this story because this, this uh, is, it's not a nurse. It's not a doctor. It's a, it's, this is a CNA, someone who, as I said earlier, so many times, so often are unsung heroes in the hospital. Sure. Yeah, and she sounds like a great person. Underappreciated. Somebody who really takes her job very seriously and takes her, her, her training very seriously and was not afraid. I mean, so many times people are afraid to jump into action and be the leader to, to do something like this. So really, people are afraid to do compressions. They're afraid they're going to hurt someone, mm-hmm. you know? So, whereas if you don't do it, they're going to die. So, I know, but I think that so best. many times people are like, "Are they really like? Is this really what I'm supposed to do?" I, I just think that people second guess themselves. You know, they don't trust their instincts, and yeah. Um, so I'm so proud of this woman for jumping in and doing what she needed to do. She does urge anyone who can take the basic life support classes to be trained in CPR um, and using the AED because uh, that training, you know, you anyone can take that. Anyone can go. It works. Yeah. Absolutely does. So I guess that does it for this episode of Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, David. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, that's been great. It's been really great. Well, I look forward to having you back on the show soon. Let's do it. Hey, any more cow stories you have for me? I'm there. I'm going to try to incorporate (laughs) as many cow stories I possibly can into future episodes. Okay. All right. Let me know. (laughs) Okay. Well, you guys... You know, you can find me at Tina at goodnursebadnurse.com. You can send me an email. You can find me on social media at goodnursebadnurse or on the website at goodnursebadnurse.com. And I would like to remind you, even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, be a good nurse and a good nurse tech.